Hello and welcome back to the Lager Tops podcast with Remy, Jimmy and Maya. After our sort of mini extended break, we'll be talking about widgets. And we're also going to have the return of the blind taste, where maybe Jimmy and myself will make an arse of ourselves. You said maybe for that, but I think that's a definite. Also, what, what's the definition of a mini extended break, Rem? I, I'm not sure of that one. That is called panic. <laughs> panic blabbing. Yeah, so we have been off for quite a few weeks at this point there is very good reason obviously it's been august it's been summer holiday but also we have the betrothed among us now thank you very much jimmy 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 cheers maya yeah a lot's happened since we last uh, had a little catch up over a couple of beers trying to think so since the day after we did our last podcast i came down with coronavirus which was loads (laughs) of fun so I had COVID and then immediately after I had COVID went on my stag and went on someone else went to someone else's wedding. Then I had my own wedding. Then went on honeymoon. Then had my other vaccine and here we are. Podcasting again. It's been it's been a hell of a week. <laughs> Did you have any particular beer highlights from that series of events? Yeah, the, no beer highlights during the COVID and very few beer highlights during the stag. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, thanks to you lot. Yeah, there's been a few good beers. We um, did our honeymoon in the Lake District, and that that was all right. There was a few decent nice. pints on offer there. The wedding was good, all right for beers. I say so myself. I picked them, but uh... I think it was great for beers. <laughs> there we go. I'll take all the credit. I did get. I did get a lot, a lot of compliments about the beers on offer. I wanted to make sure there was the beers were all. good. Yeah. I've got a garage full of them still. So, well, actually, I gave most of the hours so to you. So do we. Yeah. <laughs> Did you choose or request for the Whitstable Bay to be on the car? No, they well, always have Whitstable Bay on, which, again, was something that drew me to them. They always have Whitstable Bay on and they always have Superbock on as a lager, which I quite like as well. So when we, when we went and visited that one, that I must admit, when we walked around the first time, like... Pfft, two and a half years ago i was like oh yeah that gets some brownie points the only query i have about the alcohol at your wedding jimmy was that the only shot available was tequila rose well it's not the only shot available well they had the only shot it was the only shot in vogue yeah it was the only shot available on your table that wasn't the bar's fault that was who was buying the shots (laughs) they had they had tequila normal tequila and i was like if I start doing normal tequila at a wedding... At one o'clock in go... the afternoon or whatever it was when yeah. you started doing them. <laughs> this is going to go really badly. And so then they were like, well, we've only got tequila or Sambuca. Or unless they were like, unless you want a shot like gin or vodka or whatever. And I was like, I don't think I can go there. And they were like, oh, but we do have tequila rose. And, and so was like, amazing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever drunk as much tequila rose. And I also... I, by the look on their faces, how much it was being ordered, I don't think they've ever sold as much tequila rose. Yeah, those those bottles were ancient. <laughs> <laughs> I did one, and I actually thought it was quite pleasant. To be honest, I was surprised. I can't remember. I don't. I must, I must have done. How a shot many when did 18. you have? I only had the one. I dodged yeah. a lot of tequila rose bullets. Yeah, the one was good. I think the six. Oh. I had six, not in a row, but. Yeah. Over lunch. Yeah. Th- throughout your three courses. <laughs> yeah, there were a few drunken people, which I suppose is only to be expected. But um... It's a wedding, and also it's like the first wedding in ages, so it was kind of 
expected that overdue let even more loose yeah i did enjoy that our number one lager tops fan was looking pretty worse for wear by the end of the evening sat there with his shirt <laughs> unbuttoned just looking like a lost child oh jolly good stuff but yeah so apart from that what about you guys anything else in your social calendar well we went to um green man festival that was oh, that was course. dead good yeah they had a big beer selection there actually um some of it they always do don't they they have like real ale tents and stuff yeah they have like a big it's basically like a welsh beer festival there the few that we did cop it was a bit of a mixed bag some of them weren't great but we kind of had two discoveries or our main discovery was actually something you've spoken about before jim wrexham lager oh yeah yeah wrexham lager yeah yeah the bootlegger was the bootlegger there Probably not. No, the bootlegger wasn't there. <laughs> no, no, no. That was quite good stuff, to be fair. I hadn't tried that before. It's like the UK's oldest brewer of lager or something like that. That was pretty tasty. And then I also discovered there's a guy, it was a journalist called Pete Brown, who I think we have referenced on this podcast before. Yeah. He does a little sort of event or it's not really an act, a sort of a speech a talk or talk. Or yeah. In a, yeah. In a tent in sort of in the afternoon of like the Saturday. Uh, the Friday morning. Sorry, just uh, can't deal with this Friday morning. Anyway, where he essentially matches the bit, the taste of the beers to certain acts that are on that weekend, which is quite cool. Yeah, he does it right and at the end of the weekend in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does, does it at the end. But there was one beer he mentioned there that was actually delicious. It was by Tudor Brewery and it was Blackstone, mm-hmm. I think, Blackstone. It's uh, like a porter. It was really good. Loads of dip, like real good depth of flavour and not like horrible portery. It was like really nice, coffee cracking stuff i also had an elderflower ale i think that was from purple moose yeah purple moose elderflower ale that was really good and were you getting them in pints or was it a bit like a beer festival you're getting like thirds or how was it working no pints and at green man they do the stack cups Mm. so it's really useful because you could carry around carry them everywhere like if one of us is going to the loo you can just like give your pint to someone else they also have a cider there that i like called dabinet and another cider that's got a silly name. They've all got silly names. Oh, no. Splanky. That's it. Splanky. <laughs> it's like a really silly name. Splanky. I quite like that one. But yeah, no, that was really nice. I think it was just quite shocking for us to be at a festival, especially a camping one, after the last 18 months. And then we've just been to All Points East in London. The beer there was shit. And the sound quality also wasn't particularly good. We did our little old man moan on the way home that we couldn't hear any of the bands. Remy did his little moan that everyone was talking over Bombay Bicycle Club and how dare they. And so, yeah, we've learnt that maybe London festivals aren't for us anymore. You're not cool enough anymore, basically. Mm. Stick with your family, friendly, in the middle of nowhere, Mm. hills, everyone sitting around having a a pint and sitting on deck chairs. That's for you. Mm. I also didn't... Well, I couldn't remember the lukewarm red stripe is Ooh, is, is a bit of a it's a bit of a difficult one. It's not the one for me. It's hard work. Put it, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that little bit of general chit chat concluded, that nonsense out the way, we can get on with the real stuff. Get on to the main event. The big badger. It's why you're all here listening. Widgets. You may need to tell people what a widget is or is that part of the quiz well we we will kind of go over it but i'll give a little summarization an indication of what a widget is so when you've got a can of beer you will notice probably since the late 90s onwards not that i was drinking in the late 90s but there we are uh (laughs) that you could rattle some of them and there would be something rattling about inside like a little ball that is what is referred to as a widget and 
there's kind of quite a lot of widespread or bizarre fascination with widgets, I've noticed. A lot of people on the internet cut them out, have a look at them, play around with them, or other people just sort of jollyly shake their can once it's I've empty. I've literally never heard of this. Are the, what dark corners of the internet Some are you weird on? widget fetish. The yeah. website Remy's been on researching. Porn. Yeah, This man's wearing them like a necklace. <laughs> it's only pay-per-view guys don't be like that <laughs> there's like an only fans out there some creators like oh i could do something with this <laughs> okay so i did actually have a question here uh, just wondered if anyone remembered their first widget because because i do uh yeah pr- well i don't know about first i definitely have memories of widgets as a kid like you say being fascinated by them like what is in this can cutting the can open slicing my hand open most likely on a can running it under a tap and be like oh it's literally a plastic ball like, what is the point of this? Probably in a can of Guinness, to be honest. The most famous of the widget beers. Yeah, certainly was in fairly, I won't go, not fascinated, but I know what you mean. When you're a kid, it is kind of like, why is there something in the drink? Like, what is the mm. purpose of this? I'd never heard of widgets until we started dating and you turned up with a load of Boddingtons and I was like, what the fuck's in this? And you were like, it's a widget. And then you're like, I love this man. <laughs> I want to spend the rest of my life with him. <laughs> I vaguely remember buying a warm Guinness from the spa in Rochester and having a widget in that and thinking what the what the chuff is going How on. How old were you at this point? <laughs> thought we were yeah, children. 15. <laughs> yeah, like 15, something like that, 15, 16. <laughs> yeah, for any of our listeners thinking, 15-year-old buying Guinness. Yes, that sums this man up in about one <laughs> sentence. The 15-year-old who's like, yeah, do some daytime drinking. It's a hot day. I'll have a warm can of Guinness down the park because I'm that hard. Uh, I'm a bit speechless after that. To be honest, I've got nothing. (laughs) So, due to popular demand, to explain the phenomenon of the widget, we have a quiz. And what we will be doing as well is sort of halfway through the quiz or just after the first question, we are going to try two different beers. They are the same brand of beer, but one will have a widget in and the other one will not have the widget. And we will see if A, the widget does the job that we will talk about it being its job, and B, will it taste any better? Okay, so we're going to kick off the big fat widget quiz. Jimmy and Maya, the two competitors here, uh, just jostling for position in the all-time quiz leaderboard that I've not taken any (laughs) rankings of. (laughs) But here we go. So question number one, what is the purpose of a widget? A, to create a head to imitate draft beer. B, a marketing gimmick. C, enable cans to be used as musical instruments for street performers. I mean, I'm going to go A, to create a head to imitate draft beer. Brave. Very brave. Also A. You know what? You've both absolutely smashed that one out of the park. It's (laughs) A. The idea of the widget is to help replicate the draft beer image and taste and head but from a can and or bottle originally. So just a bit of background, listeners. What we've done is we've got John Smith's, which mm. I'm sure you'll absolutely love and drinking large volume. And we've got the original without a widget, and we've got the, the extra smooth with a widget. And what we're going to do is pour them both here and have both of them throughout the rest of the quiz so we can decide definitively, A, does the widget do its job? And B, 
is the widget worth it? Okay, cool. Let's crack open these John Smiths. Can I ask a question? Is it the same beer in both of them? It's exactly the same beer. Well, it's the same recipe, yeah. It's the same recipe, same calories, etc., etc. But there may be some added bits in the original, but we can go on to that. And also, having just read the ingredients and me saying a minute ago that you never really see glucose syrup in an ale, they both have obviously got glucose syrup in it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so crack them open. So we know that the purpose of the widget is to create a head and to imitate draft beer. So from the first pouring compared the original John Smith to the John Smith Smooth Flow, which is one with the widget. What are your notes? Pouring-wise, I think it kind of depends what you're hoping to achieve in the pour, if that makes sense. If I was ordering a bitter in a pub and it came out looking like the John Smith original, it had a bit of head on it, that's how beer looks when it's come out of a spigot and it's sprayed. If you know what I mean, if it's on a hand pump. I, yep. If anything, I would... If I walked into a pub and they gave me a pint, you know, and I asked for an all bitter and came out looking like the John Smith's extra smooth, I would almost be more concerned than if it came out looking like the original. So I don't really get the need from a the aesthetics point of view. Mm. Taste-wise and sipping them, it is a lot smoother. It is a lot less fizzy, or I, I, I'm sure you'll come on to it, Rem, but yeah, it's the fizziness is different, shall we say. It tastes flatter and smoother, is literally the smoothness is the right word, so... Taste-wise, pretty similar, maybe a bit more bitterness on the, the original, but maybe that's just because of its kind of more bubbliness, should mm. we say? I d- you know, replicating a a cask-poured beer, like in a pub, I don't know, really. I don't think it's necessary. Well, I guess maybe they're not just replicating it being on cask, they're probably replicating it being on keg. I suppose, yeah. But then, you know, some would argue that you shouldn't put... Ale on cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're slightly different colours. The original looks more kind of ambery, and the extra smooth to me looks slightly less. I, the only way it's like the colour's a bit flatter, it's a bit less reddish for me. The original is darker, but it's more like nectary and ambery, whereas the smooth has like a it's like a dulled version in the original you can see quite big bubbles yes. kind of at the bottom yeah. like you would in a normal fizzy drink whereas in the extra smooth you can't read like you can see tiny tiny little bubbles and but... interestingly they're all stuck to the side of the glass yeah exactly obviously then the the main difference is um is in the head really <laughs> the most important element it's a bit creamier isn't it Yes, it lasted longer Yeah. on the extra smooth. It took longer to dissipate. And also on the original, it did that kind of thing when the head disappears, where it like kind of disappears in patches and like bubbles away. It's like melting snow. Yeah, whereas the extra smooth just sort of like shrunk calmly and politely. A bit like Remy <laughs> when he's done. <laughs> Job, job done, time to, time to just shrink away. Time for a cup of tea. Yeah, I'd largely agree with both of those assumptions. Yeah, the original, definitely, the bubbles aren't as tight. They're not smooth. It's not small, sorry. And I think, as a result, it, it tastes a little bit less, well, less smooth. It's quite tangy, isn't it, actually? It is. It's significantly tangier than the smooth flow, I'd say. Yeah. Generally, as well, this beer isn't great. But let's not, you know, go on about that too much, because we're here for the widget. Save that for later. Once we've done the widget, slag off John Smith's. Okay, cool. So, now on to question two. 
How does the widget work? A. Bumps around in the can, mixing everything up. B. Slowly releases gas whilst the can is on the shelf. Or C. Contains a mixture of gas and beer once canned, and upon opening, the can pressure drops quicker than the internal pressure of the widget, causing the widget to spurt out a stream of beer and gas. I, well, what I thought the way it worked is obviously not the way it works. It wasn't really any of those. <laughs> so, what, so go through them again, actually. A was bumps around. Bumps around the can, just mixing everything up. It's just floating about there. It's just mixing bits up while it's there. Yeah, I don't up. think it's that. B it, is it slowly releases gas whilst the can is in storage. And C is it contains a mixture of gas and beer once it canned. And upon opening the can, the pressure drops quicker in, in the can, in comparison to the internal pressure of the widget. I thought it was just a plastic ball. Can you can you let me finish this one? I'll have to start this whole thing. No, because it's clearly that one, because you're going into so much more detail on it, and when you're explaining it, you're explaining it as if it's the answer. Yeah. So I'm going to go C. Yeah, and, and the only thing I'm thinking is, has he double bluffed us? Because he's done that before. But I think... Yeah, do you remember France? Yeah, France, that was the one I was thinking of. But yeah, I that's think it probably France. is C, though. That's, like I said, that's not how I quite thought a widget worked. They don't inject gas into a widget, do they? The widget's not got nitrogen in it. I'll be explaining that in a sec. Go on, then. We're both saying C. You saying you saying C as well, yeah. Mike? Yeah, cool. Yeah, you're both correct. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the widget has got... Uh, most modern widgets have got two holes in them, actually. Yeah, it flows um, through it, doesn't it? I will. Yeah, so what happens is the when it's canned, so the, they chuck the widget in there, and when it's canned, the internal pressure of the widget means that they it sucks up gas and beer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into a tiny vacuum, or not tiny, into a tiny space in the middle of the widget. Yeah. Then when the can opens, the, the, the pressure in the can as a whole drops quicker than it does in the internal pressure of the widget, which causes everything in the widget to f spur out really quickly. And that's what causes the bigger head. But also what's probably in a lot of these smooth flow cans is significantly more nitrogen. Well, it even says it on the on the side of the John Smith's. Yeah, exactly. Because the ni nitrogen bubbles smaller. Um, are smaller. Exactly. And that's so it's a combination of having more nitrogen in it, but then the, the physical attributes of the, the widget in creating the head that gives you this smooth flow appearance i would be interested if they did or not if they'd made it commercially but what would it be like if you had nitrogen -y john smith's sans widget you know if you just did the nitrogen so obviously guinness is made with nitrogen not co2 yeah the keg john smith's should have nitrogen in it. oh is it okay yeah okay so those anytime you see those bitters on a keg they're nitrogen tap, yeah a lot of them should have nitrogen in them already and that's what makes them smooth flow. Okay, well, you were both very quick there. Good good widget knowledge there, guys. Well, good explaining okay. knowledge. It's what, I, um, it's what I pride myself on, my widget knowledge. Question number three. Which brewer first developed the concept of mimicking draft beer from bottles and cans? A. Worthington's. B. Guinness. C. Heineken. I can tell you that in 1969, the patent was first filed and the complete specification was lodged in 1972. That is a tough one. It could have been any of the above. I think I'll probably be wrong. I, I think Worthington's are the least likely. I'm going to go Guinness, but maybe that's okay. too much of an obvious an answer. Maya, who are you going for? Well... I don't know. I'm going to say diff something different to Guinness just so that we have a point of difference. So I'm going to 
I'm going to discount Guinness. Now, Heineken own everything. So surely something they own must use a widget. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And also, it feels like a British invention. Oh, I don't know absolutely. Why. And so I just don't think that would be Heineken. Maybe that's silly. I'm going to go left field, Worthington's. Okay, it's B Guinness. You're both going to get a little stick for basically agreeing it was a British invention. Uh, I didn't say British, did I? You literally agreed with that statement. You said, oh, absolutely. Oh, what I basically meant was it was made, it wasn't made in America. Sorry, I should have said British or Irish. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking can of worms on this podcast. Yeah. You two are acting. Um, but yeah, it was Guinness were the first brewer to really put some serious effort into it in the late 60s. It didn't just look at cans like it is now. It also looked at bottles. And the first ones were actually kind of in the inside. You, you pop them into the bottle. It was like a big screw that went in. And then you, as you poured it out, that's how it kind of worked. None of them really took off, basically. But they were the first brewer to really look at what it. What were they made it of? Took them a good plastic, do you say? I, I think they were made of plastic, to be honest. I'm not entirely sure what the originals were made of. So that is another point for Jim and across for Mona. Question number four. The code name for the CAN project originally was ACORN. But what did this stand for? A, all concentration on real nutrition. B, advanced cans of rich nectar. Or C, accessible carriage opening right now. You go first, Mark. So I don't think it's accessible carriage opening right now, just because that doesn't seem to make any sense. All concentration on real nutrition, advanced cans of rich nectar. So this is a Guinness thing, so this will have been a name that Guinness will have come up with. Well, I think... what's What's the name of the word where... So you know how like chav, people say it was like council house and violent or whatever, but that was actually a meaning assigned to it after the word already existed, rather than the word like ASAP coming from the abbreviations. I think it's one of those. So I think they've, whoever, nobody's picked out any of those three and then gone, oh, and it randomly smells acorn. How, how great. Yeah. Like, I think That's they've co- called it convenient. A- yeah, they've called it Acorn. Acorn. <laughs> they've called it Acorn and then thought, what would this be funny to stand for? So I'm going to go advanced cans of rich nectar. Okay, Jim, you? I think it is that one. That's the only one that really makes sense. But that, that it really makes sense either. I just also sat here thinking that all I keep thinking is, you've had to make two of these up. <laughs> Like, how long has that taken you? Um, I'm going to go B as well. Yeah, you're both correct. It's advanced cans of rich nectar. Uh, I actually don't know whether they called it acorn first, but acorn seems a bit random if they hadn't originally called it advanced cans of rich nectar. So, I don't know. That's an interesting one. Don't look it up yet because you might spoil some of the answers for the rest of this. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to find the word I'm looking for. Onomatopoeia. A backronym. That's it. Onomatopoeia. A backronym. So rather than an acronym, because it's backwards, because the word existed first, they probably called it Project Acorn and then found something funny that that... I I doubt they all went, okay, we're going to call this project the Advanced Cans of Rich Nectar. Oh, how convenient. It spells acorn. Arthur Guinness wasn't saying it like that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, how is the John Smith going down, by the way? Out of interest. I'm barely touching the non-smooth flow. I'm halfway through both. It. Yeah, I'm getting through it. The, the non-smooth flow has a bit more of a bitter aftertaste, I think. I actually think I prefer the, the original. <laughs> At least it tastes like something. <laughs> yeah, the smooth flow is like barely tastes of anything. It's like a tiny bit of sweetness and bitterness. They've both got a bit of a like burnt sugar taste. That's because they're full of sugar. There's more sugar in there than hops. <laughs> it's basically water. It's sugar water with some wheat that's been kind of left in there for a bit. The extra smooth always, I always think back in the Middle Ages when they're like, you know, you get told at school, oh, they couldn't drink the water. It was too dangerous. So all the kids drank beer because the beer would have been boiled so it was safe to drink and it was like really low percent you know you go oh god kids drank beer like yeah but it was a really low percentage really bland beer have yourself a john smith's extra smooth and you get the idea of what these children were drinking after they'd sweep swept chimneys and worked in the fields pint after pint of it i'd just been drinking the extra smooth because i liked it when it had the head but now neither of them have the head anymore i've just gone back to the original and i it's, I think I actually prefer yeah, it. There's more going on. It's actually Tastes much more, more palatable. Mm. Well, that's another thorough bashing for John Smith of Tadcaster, um, who we will go on to assassinate further after the quiz, in all fairness. <laughs> okay, cool. So we've smashed out four advanced cans of rich nectar, Project Acorn from Guinness. Number five. In 1989, Guinness released a first-generation widget in a can where it was stuck to the bottom of the vessel. But what was wrong with it? A. The beer overflowed upon opening in warm temperatures. B. The beer was very flat upon opening in cold temperatures. Or C. The sealant attaching the widget to the can leaked into the beer. So say the question bit again. So it was in 1989. Guinness released a first-generation widget in a can, where the widget was stuck to the bottom of the can, so to the bottom oh, of the vessel. In- internally, <laughs> that's what I was yes, confused internally, about. Sorry, you didn't like self-administer the widget. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what was wrong with it? A. The beer overflowed upon opening in warm temperatures. B. The beer was very flat upon opening in cold temperatures. Or C, the sealant attaching the widget to the can leaked into the beer, thus spoiling the beer. I reckon C, but B might also work because the whole point of the widget is is it rises to the top, and I think, and if it's stuck to the bottom, it probably can't work as well. But also, obviously, you keep beer in a fridge, so then maybe that would impact it. But yeah, I think it's C. I think they used the wrong glue and people got sick or something. <laughs> okay, C for you, Maya. So I also originally thought C, but then I was like, the other two are kind of more similar. And so then in my mind, if it was one of them and you were creating fake answers... <laughs> so you're, you're, you're just thinking now, what would Remy have done if he was being lazy? <laughs> <laughs> Like, if it was one of those, and you knew that it was something to do with the temperature, I'd think of it like the, the, the opposite. opposite, basically. But I do, like, my head is saying that it's the sealant, but my heart is saying, say something different. And also, when am I ever going to really need to show my trophy for winning the Great Widget Quiz of 2021? So I'm willing to be wrong on this one. It's not like you're going to get stopped on the street. Guys, come on. <laughs> Hours of work, this. Minutes of work. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that it's that it would overflow because I don't really understand why 
that would cause it to overflow any more than like a normal beer. So I'm going to go. The beer was very flat upon opening in cold temperatures. Okay. You are both incorrect. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> the beer overflowed upon opening in warm temperatures. But my logic was right. Yes, it had yeah. to be one of them. Your workings were correct, but your answer was wrong. You would have got half marks in GCSE math. Not a red pen, though. I actually couldn't find a scientific reason for this, but I'm guessing it's something to do with, because the temperature was higher, the gas particles were moving about more, and that's what made it explode. But yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, no sealant um, leaked into the beer and no one was poisoned. So... No dice for either of you there, I'm afraid. Disappointing. I was closer, though. Yeah. Doesn't get you anyway. <laughs> okay, cool. Question number six. Heineken and Whitbread also had a widget invented for them by John Lunn. What did Whitbread use it for? A, Whitbread's canned porter, B, Murphy's and Boddington's, or C, Whitbread pale ale? No idea. I'm going to say... I've never heard of Whitbread. Isn't it Whitby's? No, that that's a town in Yorkshire. No, Whitbread is a brewer that was based uh, in London. Watney's, um, I was thinking of. Watney's yeah. is what you're thinking of. No, Whit- Watney's Pale is what you're thinking of. Whitbread ba- Red Barrel is partially blamed by some members of Camera for ruining real ale. Ah, yes, of course. The old um, so Whitbread bastards. did get bought up in the 90s, I think, by Interbrew, who uh, who became a and bev yeah. I'm going to say Boddington's. Just because you were obviously going to try and shoehorn them in at some point. Oh, fuck knows. I probably would have gone for that as well, but I don't want to do that. So it's whether I'm going to go for the porter or the pale ale. Now, I don't think I've ever known a pale ale with a widget. And the fact that you've just done that tells me it's definitely not that. So yeah, I'm going to. You can have lagers with widgets. So I'm going to say the Whitbread's canned porter. I think Jimmy's right anyway. Fine, well, you're bloody wrong. Jimmy's yeah. right. It's yeah. Murphy's and Bobby's. <laughs> Uh, this chap, John Lunn, apparently is attributed, according to the internet, notably Wikipedia and some other inserts, inserts, websites. Um, <laughs> apparently he's created... <laughs> Where did you even get that from? What the fuck? I get paid to talk sometimes. Anyway, this chap invented the modern widget, which apparently has two one-way valves. So the modern widget, it's got two one-way valves in it. In, out. Cool. Right, so that is a yes for Jim and a no for Maya. And I wish I could take more points away for her sarky wit. Finally, question number seven. The principle of the widget is also applied to some pint glasses for draft beer. But how so? I know. A. The nonic glass provides a wide area for the head to fall. B. Slender pint glasses ram all the molecules in a thin space, therefore creating more mixing. Or C. An engraving pattern in the bottom, or an engraved pattern, sorry, in the bottom of the glass is a nucleation point, releasing CO2 from the beer and therefore maintaining the head. Ma, you can go first. Exasperated looks on this side. (laughs) Okay, I don't know what nonic means. It's just the type of glass. But I'm just trying to think of glasses that you would want that to ha- uh, sorry beers that you would want that to happen in and their type of glasses so guinness for example is a relatively wide head but it does also have the like cut ins towards the bottom so maybe that could be counted as an engraving slender pint glasses ram all the molecules into thin space therefore creating more mixing to me sounds like the correct one but when i think of 
the glasses of beers that need a head, none of them are slim. So it's like Sophie's Choice here. <laughs> Angela's asses. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh. um. <laughs> Aren't you glad to let you go first? Because <laughs> I think, like, so because of that, it could be any of them. What, can you please confirm what you mean by the bottom of the glass? I mean literally the bottom of the glass the base. the base i'm looking i'm looking i've just necked a pint so it has to be that bit yeah, yeah. i'm just necked it and i thought oh what's that what's that well guinness has a little pattern at the bottom of the glass difficult is difficult. that engraved or is i didn't think that was engraved i don't know i mean you you drink quite a lot of guinness don't you mike Could you i used to work in a fucking bar i've seen enough guinness glasses without drinking it. well then you should know what it's for <laughs> yeah it's got the little thing at the bottom of the glass so maybe it's that i'm gonna go for that the engraved pattern okay and jim you mate she got her in the end <laughs> <laughs> it is that yeah well yes, I'll, yeah i would sound like a fucking idiot if i'm wrong but yeah that the the etching at the bottom again it irritates the molecules so it makes so because like we were saying about how the bubbles were sticking to the side of the glass you know how basically bubbles will rise to the surface when they're released in co2 but they stick to stuff. So by having an etched or a, a, like a rough surface, it, it again causes... And again, every time you take a pint and you put it down, you're moving the glass and those bubbles that are moving on the surface and more will be released so they don't just all sit around the rim of the glass. See, so I did know there was something on the bottom of a Guinness glass. And uh, we actually have, because we've got those Camden Town. Oh, yeah, they They're in the bottom it. of them. Yeah. Interestingly, I've been drinking out of a Guinness Original glass. No etchings. Oh, nice. No etchings, mm. but that's because it's Guinness Original, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, let me tally up the scores. I wonder who won. I don't think it'll be by much. Jim, you won by two points, mate. Six for you, Maya. You hit a very respectable four, though, out of seven, I'd like to say. Well done, everyone. Everyone enjoy that quiz? I actually did. Have you got a widget Ooh. to show us, Rem? I, I assume you've... No, I didn't cut one out. I couldn't be asked. Oh, Mainly because, you know, that story you said about cutting your hand open? Yes. Yeah, I just thought, it's going to happen to me? They're also very disappointing when you get them out. It's just, like you said, a little white plastic ball with a hole in it. Sort of. Yeah, I, I kind of spent the weekend just looking at pictures of them on the internet anyway and reading about them. So there's loads more detail, but I kind of just left it for the basics of the quiz. <laughs> a whole weekend. Google Images. <laughs> Widget. Oh, there's a widget. There's a widget. There's a widget. Oh, look at that. What a widget. Okay, so I hope we've all learned something here about widgets. I certainly did making the quiz, and I feel like you two have really grown after doing that. Yes. Uh, and I can only imagine I the... Feel, uh, I the feel taller. You feel too lovely. I can only imagine the, the new it's heights. It's widget. Yeah. Our listeners have reached learning all that about the widgets. So should we round off with a bit of an assassination about John Smith before we move on to our feature, The Blind Tape? I was going to say, Maya, when you put this ad- this episode up, obviously you title each one. Don't, for the love of God, call it the widget episode. But call it something like really one of those like YouTube things. Like, you'll never believe what happens in this one just yeah. to get people <laughs> listening. And then maybe by the time we mention the widget, they'll be like, oh, well, I've committed now. I'll listen to the whole fucking thing. You know, if you put, well, maybe it's widget. You what? Well, yeah, it's got to be yeah. something. What the widget? Yeah, <laughs> not the golden widget. Remy chews on about the weekend he spent watching widgets on the internet. 
Great weekend. Great weekend. So what, do you want our opinions of John Smith? Well, let me just give you a little run-through of a little bit of history of John Smith first. So Tadcaster Brewery, where this is from, in Yorkshire, was founded in 1758, but our mate John Smith was actually born in 1825, and he bought the brewery in later life. But the brewery website really bigs up John Smith, because basically he supposedly came up with this recipe after buying the brewery in Tadcaster, because supposedly the hard water suited pale ales, which were kind of getting big in the mid-1800s then. But the brewery website bigs him up by mentioning a couple of facts about him. March 1831, at seven, he was making extravagant origami. Wow. <laughs> 1837, in university at 13, very young, past clearing. Really? Yeah. He blew something up in an experiment. March 1842, at 18, he attempted to pilot a steam-powered helicopter. It barely got off the ground. So John Smith is like the least remarkable thing he ever made, basically. Or did. Yeah, essentially. I, by the sounds of it, he was a, a character. sort of eccentric 1800s rich buffoon yeah yeah yeah. far too much time and money on his hands exactly so he put his name on the gate of the brewery anyway and apparently it took him ages to come up with this bloody recipe i'm assuming he didn't put glucose syrup in it or nitrogen or or even a fucking widget different yeah yes yes precisely anyway so john smith's original is 3.6 percent in a can and keg and it's 3.8 percent in cask apparently you can still get it in cask not seen that bloody years the website or the, the brewery themselves describe it as multi bittersweet slight fruitiness and bitter aftertaste there's no aftertaste that's coming from the queen of sensitivity to bitterness i don't even get that well you certainly can't taste any hops no and the extra smooth is 3.6 percent in the can and keg and it's not available in cask because you can't get the nitrogen in the cask supposedly they say it has a distinct cereal character oh. combined with malt and caramel I don't think anyone should describe anything as a cereal taste unless it's cereal. You know, I don't think that's that's not how you sell your product, even if it is made of wheat. I stick by what I said at the beginning, that I think it is remarkably unoffensive. I'm not saying it's a good beer. I'm not saying I enjoy drinking it. But it ain't as bad as it could be, if I'm being perfectly honest. Certainly out of a can. I mean, Maya literally just vomited in her mouth as I said that. <laughs> desperately it's not the desperately worst trying to take the head off her one still. Yeah. But um, Like you say, it's not good. but It's not good, but it's there's a fuckload worse beers out there. I, I'd say, for me, a choice between this and Carling, I'm probably having a John Smith's Extra Smooth. I'm, I'm having six pints of John Smith's Extra Smooth over a pint of Carling. There's no contest. I think what I find interesting is that immediately after pouring, I preferred the extra smooth. I think texturally and the viscosity of the liquid, I preferred that. But now that they've both settled and like not neither of them has a head or anything, the original is a, tastes a lot better. And moving from the original back to the extra smooth is what made me just vomit in my mouth because the the extra smooth tastes particularly bad for having come after the original. Like when I was just drinking the extra smooth, I didn't think it tasted that bad, but then I moved on to the original. Now going back, it's awful. One thing I will say is that the original is now devoid of all bubbles, so it's completely flat, whereas the extra smooth still has all the bubbles stuck to the side of the glass for me, even though it's lost the head. So... That must be something for the widget. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, this isn't something 
I would choose to drink again. I think Worthington's and Boddington's are highly superior to it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I'm not, um, I wouldn't drink any of these beers out of choice directly, but I think Worthington's and Boddington's are better than John Smith's. Tetley's doesn't really seem to exist anymore, uh, except for the lot. Probably can't, not I can't, in I London. I still see a I fair amount. Seen it. I see a bit of Tetley's floating around. Again, okay. only the smooth flow, like the cream, whatever it's called. Yeah. Only I think Tetley's... Is, Tetley's. is it Tetley's or Wellington's as the butter on the top so you can just get a bit of extra head? Have you seen those? I, th- I can't yeah. remember which one it is because Foster's used to as well. Foster's stopped doing that. It used to be that you could press a button, it would just give you froth basically if you're a lot topping of the up a cake head things if you push them the other way they give yeah of, again they, so they just know. release it to a different amount i think worthington's and bollington's and tetley's are far superior to john smith's i think of all the bitters in this category john smith's currently is the worst absolutely i think the other three are better but i think what does help as well is when you do have it on draft in comparison to the can it's so bloody cold yeah, it's actually it, even less offensive. It's so uh, like, yeah, you can't, it's you can't numb. taste anything. Yeah, it's just numb. Yeah. And the thing I like about the original, it's actually got a little bit of a bite to it. But maybe that's just because of the bubbles and compared to the smooth. But you you taste it and it's like it again. It's not unoffensive. It's not massively pleasant. But it's got that bit of bite to be like, oh yeah, that's beer. Whereas the John Smith's is just like watery, weak. God so knows. watery. The, the smooth, the yeah. The smooth, sorry, not just the John Smith. The one thing I will say, it's all well and good having one can of each. I do wonder, Rem, if we sat down and it was a rugby game or something, you're watching on the TV and we had eight each to get through in two hours, even though it's low percentage, how you would be feeling by the end of that. I think you would be pretty sluggish and fed up of it. Even if yeah. they've been kept in the fridge, I'm not saying you know you're in a park and they're you know they're warm and it's been out all day. Mm. I'm saying perfect conditions, their fridge, it's a new glass each time. I still think after the first couple, you'd be like, this is really actually pretty horrible. I don't know how people sit through whole crates of them on a Friday night. Yeah, it's not a pleasant taste. Well, I also think as well, if you had to drink eight of both in a session, even though the original, I think I prefer right now. You I know, realistically, I don't like it. I actually might go for the smooth flow if I've had to have eight. I think so, because again, it's that, if you're going for volume, that little bit of, I know it's not, not fizzy, it's just different size bubbles, but it, you kind of trick your brain and think it's flatter. Yeah, precisely. Mm. Okay, cool, so rave reviews from us. Let's see what the internet said. John Smith's original, I actually couldn't find on Beer Advocate, but on Untapped, it had 2.81. Out of five? Which, yeah, which again, I thought was quite high, I'll be honest. Who is relieving these reviews? I know. Extra smooth. Beer Advocate actually had 3.21. And there was a quote from I Like Beer 31 that I just didn't want to leave out. Conclusion. If someone brings this to your house, don't let them in. They aren't your real friend. If they just picked it up on the whim, smack them for not reading my review. I'm just hoping the in-laws come over and drink this, then leave, never to return again. So big thank you to I Like Beer 31. And on Untapped, it got 2.81. So somehow original and extra smooth are the same on Untapped. There we go. I also think 3.21 on Beer Advocate is a disgustingly high score for this beer. Especially since I swear there's been other beers that like have been really nice. And then we've gone to Beer Advocate and it's been like 3.1. Yeah, as a fucking John Smith's extra smooth. Did you find any good reviews, Rem? Or like anyone like glo- giving it glowing praise? There wasn't any like super glowing praise, but there was a lot of sort of begrudging like, oh, actually, this isn't too bad. Pours with a nice colour, quite like easy going. Just complete beer of... noses who are just like 
it, it it turns out it's actually beer. You know, it says on the yeah. tin it's beer, and you turn it's beer, so I should give it some points for being beer. Yeah, I know what you mean. None of it was like there was. It was all quiet praise, if that makes sense. Okay, cool. So that was the big roundup on widgets and sort of by extension John Smith. Um, I hope everyone learnt a lot. I know I did, and I know that Myra and Jimmy did. So really, we're now over to the feature of this episode, the blind taste, which will be controlled entirely by Maya. So we actually haven't done the blind taste in a very, very long time. Jimmy and Remy both have a beer in front of them. The first thing that I'd like for you to do is to describe the look and the smell. Very pale very what can only be described as crafty would be my initial assessment it's obviously not in a pint glass or anything well mine's not but it's a smaller size if you know what i mean like a smaller bottle or can it's not a an ale yeah like 330 something like that yeah very fruity not necessarily citrusy more guavery passion fruity but i haven't tried it yet but i've just smelt it what do you think? Yeah, it's sort of a light yellow, and it's quite hazy, which everything seems to be at the moment. Hazy yeah. has been, I guess, one of the big trends. It looks very well carbonated, but the, something about the smell and the look of it is making me think maybe it's either got wheat on it, or potentially, I don't really know how I taste it, but I'm like, you know, sometimes they put lactose in to kind of make them like milkshake yeah. style. Obviously, I won't know until we try it. And I don't know why I'm going out on a limb here, does it have mosaic hops in it? Mm. Could be completely fucking wrong. Well, no, I mean, it's that, that scene. Do you want to both give it a little taste and tell me what you think it tastes like? Bloody hell, it's quite fruity, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you're right about the lactic. It's a bit milky, isn't it? Do you think that? Or am I just saying it? Because you that has got... I don't know what... You know, it's going to be there called... There is a hint. That is a pineapple juice explosion milkshake, isn't it? I think. I don't know what, but that is a... That's going to have milkshake in the name. I feel like if you drank like quite a lot of this, you you have a rather dicky tummy. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't really tend to drink a lot of this kind of stuff. But it's, I mean, it's quite impressive how fruity it is. But also, do you get a non-fruit? I mean, the milky kind of flavour is pretty overpowering, I think. It tastes kind of almost like a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> Can I try a bit? I don't think it's that pleasant. I think it's interesting. And for like one can, like a... Like a Bloody small hell. can, I think it's like quite an interesting thing to have, and I think it's quite impressive. You've just made me drink those John any... Yeah, <laughs> if they haven't put any fruit juice in this, I think it's quite impressive that they've got like that kind of sweet fruitiness out of it. If that makes sense. I think it's a bit um, vanillary as well. You think it's a bit what? Sorry, vanillary, sugary, vanillary yeah. kind of sweet. Well, and also now maybe a little bit cherry at the back. I don't know. Maybe we're just <laughs> overponcing this. Cherry at the back. <laughs> <laughs> You've really gone over the edge there, mate. You've become everything you swore you wouldn't when you started this podcast. Okay, so from tasting it, what what style do you think this is? You know, do you think this is a a red ale, an IPA, a bitter, a pale ale, a golden ale? Whatever? I think it's a super crafty pale ale or IPA, and I think I don't know how to describe. Them. I would call it a milkshake IPA. I'm going to go milkshake pale ale, so very similar. Yeah, it's it's one of those that it's it's a beer that might have lactic in it or something that's made it that bit thicker, that bit sweeter, and that bit more like a soft drink almost, like a Coke float almost. It's so it's, sweet. Yeah. I'm not sure I 
Is it beer? As, as in, obviously, it is beer. I know, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, should, you know yeah, I mean? it's, yeah, it's not what you'd call beer. Okay, what percentage do you think it is? That's a difficult one because it could be literally anything from like three and a half to six and a half. When it's this sweet, it's very hard to... I think 5.6. I think it's maybe, maybe that's too high, but I think maybe go high. It doesn't, I can't, you can't taste any alcohol in it, really, is the reality. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've just tried it and I think it's very sweet and I have an incredible sweet tooth for drinks, as we know. Yeah, it's somewhere five to six, I reckon, but I'm going to go out on a limb and just say six and it's one of those deceptive... Super sweet ones, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Okay, where do you think this is from? <sighs> Literally could be anywhere. I mean, off the top of my head, a bit like this, I'd say Tiny Rebel. <laughs> but I, d- I don't think it is going to be. because uh, Just because I feel like you wouldn't have done Tiny Rebel. Because they've had enough free publicity on there, as it is. It would, be, it, it would be a very me thing to do, wouldn't it? Well, all I can say is, I mean, they didn't get great, great publicity face-to-face at the bar <laughs> when there were 16 great chaps there. Spending shed loads of cash. Let's be perfectly honest... <laughs> Not just getting drinks, we got food. We even gave everyone else in the restaurant some light entertainment. They were having. We didn't even talk to anyone else. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's the nicest I've ever been thrown out of anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. To be fair, they were lovely. <laughs> the service was excellent. Okay, so who? Where do I think it's from? We're just doing region, am I? Or like, or do I need to say a brewery? No, you don't need to say a brewery. I don't. I don't expect you to get that. Like a country. Okay, I think it's from a craft brewer somewhere within the United Kingdom. I'm gonna say New Zealand. Don't know why. Oh shit, that's quite a good shout. What do you rate this out of five? What's your untapped score and little blurb? <laughs> Anything higher than a John Smith's? Um, <laughs> Two point seven. I think just because it's fairly interesting, it's it's fairly well done. It's not for me, but that's not to say it's not for everyone. It's not unpleasant at all. It's a fairly nice taste, but I'm not in I'm not unenjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it either. If that makes sense, I won't be going back for a second one, which is always for me the test. The test is you can you can pretty much struggle your way through any beer. I always think. I think if there's one can, one bottle, one pint. You can work your way through it unless it's atrociously bad. Would you go back to the bar to have the same thing again? And if the answer's no, then it's probably not a great beer. Because the brewers know if you're getting like an 8% Belgian beer, they're not giving it to you in a pint. That's the reason they come in a smaller bottle, because the volume. So if it's a nice beer, you go and get another small volume of it again. You get a third or whatever it is. So then that case, it's, it's doing its job. But if you say, actually, I don't want another one of those, then it's probably not a great beer and... For me, I wouldn't have another one of them. I'm going to say three, just because I think it's interesting. And, well, three on the provision that there isn't fruit in it. Because if there's no fruit in it, even though I don't necessarily love it, I think it's quite impressive that they've managed to make it that fruity with just malt, hops, and water. Okay. Well, I'm going to start by reading you the ingredients. Okay. It's just water, hops, malted barley, wheat, and oats. Well, fair play to them. Oats will be getting, that's why it's hazy and like the thickness. Yeah, they've been like, they've let them sweat. Yeah. Fair fair enough, that's pretty cool. Okay. It is 4.7%. Pretty good. Okay. Tell me where it's from. So this is the Garden Brewery Ice Cream Pale Ale. Yeah, Yeah. they're from Zagreb. 
So this describes itself as soft scoop vanilla ice cream pale ale with tropical and citrus notes. Yeah, 4.7%. And yeah, in the ingredients, it just says water, hops, malted barley, wheat, oats. But then underneath, it like goes in and it details what they are. But then to have maltodextrin and vanilla, that seems like a different ingredient in it. This is from the Garden Brewery based in Zagreb, Croatia. So neither of you are right on the location. The Garden Brewery was founded in 2016. And the aim was to bring incredible craft beer to the music festivals that were blossoming on Croatia's shimmering coast. They describe their beers as being brewed for the experiences that bring us together. From summer thirst quenchers and fruit sours to our experimental range, our beers are brewed with creativity, innovation and a passion for experimentation. Yeah, to be fair, their beers are normally pretty good. Yeah. Fuck knows what I said, Mosaic. (laughs) There's the embarrassment. But come on. I thought we did... All right, admirably, then. yeah, we weren't far. Yeah. Well, you both immediately got the like milkshake, which I know it's not milkshake; it's ice cream. But you both said that like pretty straight away, which is clearly its defining feature thing. Yeah, I mean, for me trying it, I didn't like it at all, and I think the reason why I didn't like it is because it was weirdly tropical, but then also creamy. And though they don't go well in my mind, like I either want it to be fruity and tropical or it can be vanilla-y and dark and nutty, do you know what I mean? But the combination, I think I maybe struggle with a bit. We've spoken about it before. It's one of those where it's like trying to make beer into a soft drink, but I just ha- I would just have a soft drink. Like, if you yeah. you know, if you don't like the taste of beer, don't drink beer. Don't try and make beer not to... I, I don't know. People are different. People like different things. Maybe this is someone out there's favourite beer in the world, or maybe they only make it purely to be experimental and see what they could do flavour-wise. I mean, I do think it's quite impressive. That's true. It's not a bad beer, in my eyes, anyway. I just don't like the taste particularly. I like the... I love the smell of it. I think it smells really yeah, It's just really not our nice. bag of bunnies, yeah. basically. Okay, thanks so much for listening and bearing with us while we took our summer holiday break. We should be back to uploading once every two weeks from now on. I hope you enjoyed our chat about widgets and the return of the blind taste. If you did enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us over on Instagram where our handle is at Lagertops Podcast. We post beer reviews and chat general shit about beer. Hope to see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.